Well, again, this morning, I'll let you be turning to the Song of Solomon, chapter 5, and also to the Gospel according to Luke, chapter 24. And as you turn to those two places today, and we'll read some more in just a little bit, but have you ever been to a place where it's just packed, and I mean full, whether it's a venue or whether it's a, a church house, and somebody comes into the door that you want to sit with you, do you ever notice you kind of start scrunching down a little bit and you want that person to sit with you and to stay with you? I'm not going to ask you if you've done the opposite of that where you kind of spread out a little bit more because you don't want people sitting with you. But if you want somebody with you, you make room. you ever been driving down the road and maybe the car was full, but you make room for one more? I want you to see today is that we make room for what we want to make room for. If we don't have room, then the question becomes... What do we purge? What do we let go of? So this morning, I want to read to you in Luke chapter 24. And I want to skip down to the 29th verse. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us. For it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And we went in to tarry with them. Today, I want you to think about Terry here. Terry here, or maybe it would be to abide here. I'm not going to ask you today if you want to raise your hand and confess, but I want to ask you a question that for you to evaluate and ask yourself. If Jesus passes by, or when Jesus passes by, do you want him to tarry in your life, or do you want him just to pass on by? Is he one that we'll kind of scoot down and we'll make room for? Or is he one that's like, you know what, we, we just don't have the, quite the room or we don't have the circumstances, so we don't want you to tarry here. Now when we look at the word, but they constrain him saying, abide with us. That's a very important word, abide. It means we want you to come and to remain with us. You know what's amazing? People want Jesus and sometimes they want him just to pass by in their life. Let's go to church on Sunday morning. Let's let Jesus come and let's talk about him. Let's invite him into our service. Let's invite him into our lives. But don't abide with us. Just visit with us, folks. Jesus does not desire to visit with you and to pass by. He wants to take up an abode. He wants to abide with you. But you see, here on the road to Emmaus, there were those that had to get to a place that they wanted him to tarry. Terry here, stay with me. You know what, today, if you're ever around somebody you really love to be around, and maybe it's time to run an errand or somewhere you've got to go, you know what you will say? I'm not finished with this conversation, but why don't you load up and go with me because I want to be with you, folks. I want to tell you something you already know. You do not have to leave Jesus behind when you leave church today. You know what? He wants to go with you. It's not a Terry here that he's going to stay in church and you're going to leave. Why do we really invite him in to our lives and there we where we go? We talk about these, these two on the road to Emmaus that, that they wanted him to abide. You have to remember the resurrection had just transpired. They didn't recognize Jesus. And on the road to Emmaus, death had to be a pretty... You know how sometimes there's just a buzz about things that happen. 
There was a buzz about death. There was a buzz about the resurrection and, and how the, the, what had happened, what had gone wrong. And he had prophesied what was going to happen. But here on the road to Emmaus, I want you to notice what happens. Is that even though death was, a, was kind of a, a mood, if you will, that was happening, they said, we want you to abide with us. Which means they wanted somebody that could control the fact that they were perishing and that, that, that they were dying beings themselves and they needed someone to be with them. And the word abide also means to be together is one. Are you at one with Christ today? We talk about a husband and a wife being twain together as one. And folks, that is very biblical. And to understand that is they're on the same page. They're worshiping the same God. And, and they're not pulling against each other. They're with each other. And I understand that. But you see, when we are one with Christ, are we going with Him? Or by our nature, are we pushing against Christ? When we say, Terry, here, do we want him to become one with us and us one with him? Or do we just want to say, Christ, you do your thing, I'm going to do mine. Folks, may we invite him into our life every minute of every second. Uh, all the days of our life, may we invite him in to Terry here. And the disciples, except, excuse me, the two on the road to Emmaus, they said, abide with us. We're waiting on this, this one that was here, but, but notice what happened. For the day is far spent. Now, what would it have been like? One, not truly understanding what the resurrected Christ was. What would it have been like for a person, let's just say humanitarian, for, for this one to come in contact with them, it was getting dark in their life, and what would it have been like if they would have just sent him on? They would not have known who it was they were pushing away. But even more than that, folks, what a blessing it was for Christ to not only want to be with them, but for they to want Him in. Folks, that is important when it comes to salvation. It is obvious, and I believe this with all within me, it is obvious and I am deeply convicted that God or Christ wants to save sinners. But that relationship comes... What does the sinner want from Christ? Do we want a badge or an honor or just something that we can say that, that this is what we have, an accolade in life? Or do we want a relationship with Jesus? Folks, when you get saved, and we're going to talk about this in, in a little bit, is that there's going to be a longing and a true deep desire for Jesus to come in. You know what? If somebody's just visiting you're going to tell them, why don't you come into my house and I want you to stay here a little bit. We'll talk all night. When the sun comes up in the morning, we'll send you on your way. These, these were in need of a relationship. And when Jesus came, they said, abide with us. My fear is that many people don't want to house Jesus in their life. The scripture teaches us in Matthew chapter 8 and verse 20. And Jesus saith unto them, the foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests. But the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. You see, I believe this morning that there's a desire that Christ wants to come into your life. But here's the thing. Do you give him a place that he can lay his head? Do you give him a place where he can take up an abode? Do you give him a place where he can be a part of your life? 
You see here in the book of uh, Luke in the 24th chapter when this, uh, this, these, these two were on the road to uh, this place called Emmaus, which is a, a, a village talking about a warm bath, a place of, of comfort that they might have. There were two disciples that were discouraged. And what were they discouraged about was the fact that Jesus had died, he had been crucified, and that they had this idea that they had this idea of how things were going to happen and how things were going to transpire. And because it didn't happen the way they wanted, they were a little bit discouraged by that. But let's read, if we can, about the 21st verse. But we trusted that it had been He which should have redeemed Israel. Notice the idea that they had. Their hopes had kind of been diminished because God was not doing things the way that they wanted. They thought, this is the man that's going to deliver us. They saw the, the beauty and the glory of the kingdom of God. But here's a small, huge problem. They failed to see his sufferings. You see, people want a relationship with Jesus, but they forget that because or in order to have a relationship with Jesus, there was suffering that happens. Folks, being lost is something you feel. I want to say that one more time. Being lost is something you feel. If you don't feel being lost, then you know what? You will not feel when you get saved. Let me ask you this. Do you believe that when you get saved, you'll feel it? Absolutely do we believe in that, folks. If you don't have an experience where you felt the peace of God and the presence of God in your life, I pray that you'll see the sufferings of Jesus and even the sufferings of yourself. There must be a pain that's inflicted and that's why there's a great concern that, that many in the world think that, that salvation is just merely something you decide on but there's no pain, there's no conviction, there's no sorrow, there's no remorse. Folks, I'm telling you, when God convicts your heart, you will know it and you will feel it. And I believe in that. I believe that the conviction is something that you feel. Conviction is a convincing or a persuading. You know that you're lost. But we also know that there's something that you feel. They understood about Christ and what He was going to do, but they forgot about the sufferings that, that Jesus was going to endure. So these two on the road to Emmaus, there was this invitation that was given. And they said, but they constrained Him, and we're going to talk about that in just a minute, and said, abide with us. Of all the things you can ask Jesus to do, by the way, let me say this. I believe there's a lot of things you can ask God for, and I believe He can provide it. But folks, there's not anything any greater than you asking God to allow Jesus to come into your life and to stay there. Folks, there's nothing any greater than asking the Lord to save your soul. But you know what? Those of us that are saved, we can attest to this. It doesn't end there, does it? Do you believe today that we can ask God for more things after we're saved? Yes, it's not a wishing well or a, a genie that we just kind of rub, but we can know that we can petition God and we know that God hears us. I'm thankful today that we can ask Him to come. As He said, abide with us. They said the day was nearly spent. They said, but we want the Lord to abide with us. How many places has the Lord been kicked out of? Sure, it's well documented, it's well said that, you know, the, the, the court systems in our schools, but I'll tell you this, you can remove him from buildings. And, and I, as much as I disagree with that, you cannot take him out of the heart of a person. 
Folks, if Jesus is in your heart, regardless of where you go, you can be in the midst of a, of a, of a million atheists. And guess what? God's still going to be with you. He's there with you. Why? Because we take him with us. When we say, abide with us. Sure, the, the, these people didn't really know who Jesus was, but how, how admirable it is for them to say, we want you to come and we want you to abide with us. They wanted his company. They wanted him to be in their presence. So today, if you're ever going to be saved, you've got to want him in your life. What is that want? What is that that you feel? What is that that you get to experience? We see that, that they got to a place where that they wanted him to come. John chapter 3 and verse 30, I believe it is, says that, that we must decrease and he must increase. You see, there comes a place and there comes an idea that we have to empty ourselves so that we can be filled up with the things of God. God, I want you in my life. I want to turn over and read if I can find it real quick in the book of Philippians chapter 2. Let me tell you this. Here, here's this, this idea. Kenosis is a Greek word that means to empty a self. This same word comes here in the book of Philippians chapter 2. Let me read this. I didn't tell you to mark this, but I'll read it. Philippians 2 and verse 6 and verse 7 says this. Who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. So in that seventh verse, we talked about that there is a made himself of no reputation. That literally means that Christ emptied himself. Not that he, there was a fleshliness about him that he had to lay aside and say, God, what is your will? If you're here this morning, and when I tell you and we read these scriptures about tarry here, to abide with us, to stay with us, to walk with us, to sit with us, to ride with us, whatever it is that you're inviting him into, today, if there's not room, then the question is, do you believe in emptying yourself? Folks, when you empty yourself and when we decrease, He begins to increase. Sometimes we just want to squeeze God into our life. I think if we truly knew who it was that was walking in our presence, we would move anything and everything and everybody else saying, I don't know who else can sit here, but I want you first and foremost, and then we'll fill in the rest with, with other people or other things. Folks, may we have a desire for Him first and foremost. I don't know how many kids have ever been kicked out of a pew, and I don't know if that's a good word to use, but... Because somebody comes in, they say, get up and let them have that seat right there. I don't mean that in a, in, a, in a joking way, but the truth is, there's a lot of things in our life we need to remove. And I don't want to say remove, but we need to kind of reshuffle around and say, this seat is for you. I want you in my life. And, but they constrained him saying, abide with us. Jesus in Philippians chapter 2 there, in verse 7, Paul talks about he made himself of no reputation, which means that Christ literally emptied himself. Folks, if Christ has to empty himself, what do you think that we must do? Do you think that Christ should do something that we shouldn't? I 100% agree. We must empty ourselves also. But let me ask you this. What are you willing to surrender when I tell you to tarry here and Christ is coming by and He's troubling your heart, He's speaking to your heart, He wants to take control of your life, what are we emptying of? We see this invitation comes along and says, but they constrained Him 
saying they wanted Jesus to abide with him. Do you want him to come abide with you? Christ is not going to abide where he's not wanted or where he's not welcome. Do you want him in your life? Churches, I'm going to say this. He's not going to come where he's not welcome. Let me rephrase that a little bit different. If his word is not the rule, then that's not where he wants to be. He wants to be in a place where his word and his spirit and his presence rules and reigns. Folks, that is not restricted just to a church. That also applies to our lives. He wants his word and his spirit to reign in a church service. We all agree with that. But he also wants us to his word and his spirit to reign with us in our life. So today, are you asking Christ, saying, are you going to tarry here? Are you going to abide with us? For they constrained him. I believe some of the greatest spiritual blessings we have in our life is when we ask God to come and to say, God, I want you in my life. But today, how, how persistent are we with God in asking God to, uh, to help us? You don't have to turn over and read, but you know, in, in Luke chapter 18, Christ gives us the one about the, the, the judge that the one kept petitioning over and over. Let me, let me just turn back here and read it for just a second. I didn't tell you to mark this, but I want to read it to you. Luke 18 and 1. And he spake a parable unto them to this end that men ought always to pray and not to faint. Don't, don't lose heart. Don't give up. If you want him in your life and it's just not happening the way you want, don't give up. For he said, there was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. And there was a widow in that city and she came unto him saying, listen to what happened. Avenge me of mine adversary. And he would not for a while. But afterwards he said within himself, though I fear not God, nor regard men, Yet because this widow troubleth me. She was persistent. Come, come, come. Listen, listen, listen. If you keep asking, I believe that, that God will hear. And it says, this woman says, I will avenge her. Lest by her continual coming and she weary me. And the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge saith. And shall not God avenge his own elect? which cried day and night unto them, though he uh, bear long with them, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth? So in our scripture reading today, it talks about this, this, unjust, this unjust one that just kept asking and begging and pleading for, for God to come and to take reign and, and to control the life. For you and I today, do we really want him to come and take control and, and reign in our life? For in the book of the Song of Solomon, if you mark those scriptures, I'm going to turn back there for just a minute. Song of Solomon, chapter 5. We're going to see in the first verse, there's this desire for a relationship. A desire for a relationship. I think we've already established, but we're going to establish this again. We know that Christ wants a relationship with us. But let me ask you something. Again, this is a rhetorical question, but do you believe that a relationship, there has to be a desire on both parties? Not just the husband wanting the wife, but the wife also wants to love the husband. I know sometimes we kind of think it's a dictatorship. Folks, I believe it's, it's two people working together for the cause of God. But in this desire for relationship, read the first verse and stop right there. 
I am come to my garden. My sisters, my spouse. Notice what he has. I have gathered my myrrh with spice. With my spice. I have eaten my honeycomb with my honey. I have drunk from wine with my milk. Eat, O friends, drink. Yea, drink abundantly, O beloved. But notice the sad part here in the estranged relationship that happens in the second verse. By the way, do you remember when night was coming and the two on the road to Emmaus said, you need to abide with us, you need to tarry here? Verse 2 said, I sleep. What time is it? It's night time. I sleep, but my heart waketh. I want you to notice where this is happening. I want you to notice where this relationship is really happening. It's not just two people that are holding hands that are loving on each other. It's their hearts. How that their hearts desire to link and to long to, to be together. For he said, I sleep, but my heart waketh. Why is the heart awakened? I love these verses. It is a voice of my beloved. It's the voice of my beloved that's knocking. Can you see today God knocking at the hearts of men because He loves us? Can you see Him knocking at your heart and God telling us that we would just open up and let Him in that He loves us, He cares for us, He wants to tarry with us and here He is, He comes, He's knocking on the heart's door. And He says, knocking, saying, open to me, my sister, my love, my dove. My undefiled. I love you. I want to be with you. But you know what? You've got to want me to end. You've got to want for me to tarry with you. You know what today? If you're ever going to be saved, you've got to want to be saved. My, my great fear again in the world is, is that people are getting saved not because they want to be saved, but because somebody told them they needed to be saved. Folks, if you're ever going to have a true relationship with Jesus, you have to be the one that wants it. Do I believe other people can point you to Jesus? Absolutely. But you have to be the one that He's knocking, that He's calling, and He's crying out, and He's saying, open unto me. Please let me in. I love you. I care for you. I want to abide with you. But are you going to open up and say, Terry, here? Open to me, my sister, my love, my dove, undefiled. For my head is filled with dew, and my locks with the drops of the night. Well, this kind of takes a, a, a different twist. It's kind of a, this going back and forth here. For the Shulamite said, I sleep. Well, all of a sudden, all this trouble that's happening and all of a sudden sound asleep. But again, I just read to you, the voice of my beloved knocketh open to me. My head is filled with the dew, my locks with the drops of the night. There's one that loves and wants to enter in. To where the love is. But to only find a locked door. How sad is it that the God of the universe. Is right there. Jiggling the handle. If I could use that phrase. Of mankind. Only to find the door locked. Folks today it's okay if you lock out the worldly things. But don't lock Jesus out. Let him in. You don't have to, he, he's not going to barge in. You just got to unlock it. Unlock it means it's a key. And a key just means you have to have access. And you see today, God wants you to unlock your heart so that he might come in. Notice what happens. 
the attention happens, the voice begins to knock. Do you believe in the voice of God? I do. Do you believe that God knocks? Absolutely. For my head is filled with dew and my locks with drops of the night. But here's, here's what happens in the third verse. Let's keep reading. But I put off my coat. I want you to tarry with me. I want you to come in. But I'm already comfortable. Has anybody ever gotten really comfortable at night? You get you just you're just as comfortable as you can be, and uh, you, you've got the covers, and you got your your night clothes on, and you're just as comfortable as you can be. And then all of a sudden, somebody comes knocking on the door. You want to say, "I'm not getting up for you. I, I'm comfortable. I'm in a good place right now." I'll tell you this: May you always make room for Christ. No matter how comfortable we are, no matter how easy we are, for the reply is, "I have put off my coat. How shall I put it on?" Well, let's go a step further than that. It's kind of a, a sad excuse. I have washed my feet. How shall I defile them? You know, people find it inconvenient to let the Lord in their life. Folks, today, may it not be an inconvenience for you to let God in. May it not be a convenience to say, Lord, you're passing by this place. Why don't you tear it right here? If you ever want somebody to sit with you, they'll even kind of pat on that cushion. They'll point at them. They'll say, I want you to sit with me. You know what? I pray today that when Christ is visiting all of us, that we'll jump up, we'll go to the door. Oh, I didn't know the door was locked. Let me run and open the door and let you in because I want you in my life. There's been times that I've accidentally locked the door at my house. But when my wife comes home and that door is locked, I know she may have a key, but I'll also jump up and I'll run and unlock that door because I want her in that place, folks. If you want Jesus in your life, you'll make a way for Him to come in. If you don't want Him in your life, you'll sit in the bed saying, but I've already got ready for bed. My feet are clean. I'm ready to go to sleep. Here's where it's going to get really sad here in just a minute. She said, I've washed my feet and how shall I defile them? She didn't want to go through all that effort of having to be clean again. In other words, she was worried about self-cleanliness more than a relationship. My beloved put his hand by the hole of the door. And the Bible is talking about the heart was moved for him. People often will ask me, well, preacher, how do you know when you're lost? I believe in a moving of the Spirit of God. There's a stirring. And I'm not talking about somebody tapping on your shoulder or a fan that's been turned on. I'm talking about in your heart, there is a stirring that transpires. And can you get this image and can you get this idea that one begins to come to the door and all of a sudden they weren't just stirred by the, the, their feet or their, their gowns. They were stirred inside. Folks, when I got saved, let me tell you where I got stirred at. I got stirred deep down inside of me. I was stirred, not stirred by people. I was stirred by the presence of God. And all of a sudden there was this, this movement that happened. And all of a sudden, and here's, what, here's where it really gets sad. I rose up to open to my beloved... And my hands dropped with myrrh and my fingers with sweet smelling myrrh. But look at that sixth verse. But my beloved had withdrawn himself and was gone. Seek ye the Lord while he might be found. 
Call upon Him while He is near. Folks, if you want Jesus to tarry with you, there's no better time than now. There's no better time. Don't wait till you go home. Don't wait till we sing a song. Don't wait till you can get uh, in a place where you're away from everybody. There's no better time than now. And I can see this one that there was a a desire for a relationship. And I I don't know if I should go. And all of a sudden goes to the door and said all of a sudden that myrrh, that smell, said it was just gone. Every time I read these scriptures, I think about the time very shortly after my father passed away. I went in and I got one of his suits. And I put it on. Do you know how some people, I'm going to say this, I hope you understand, how some people smell, and I don't mean smell as in the odor smell, they just have a sin about them. I remember taking that suit and just putting it on in what seemed like eternity. I just longed more for Him in that moment because I could just smell Him. But you know why I hurt? Because He wasn't there. Could you imagine the God of the universe touching on the hearts of people. Only for them to turn away and have to say that I can only experience where God was, not where God is. Folks, this morning I'm not telling you about where God was. I'm telling you about where God is. And God is in my soul. And it only happens when you get to a point and a place in your life where you say, Terry, here, I'm not going to wait any longer. I'm not going to put you off any later. I want you to come and I want you to tarry here. For it said that she rose up and she went and she said, and all of a sudden it was too late. She said, I sought him. You know what? That's a good place to be, but the problem is it's too late. Folks, I believe there are people in hell right now that are seeking after God, but the problem is they waited till it was too late. There are people that today that, that believe in God, but they believe too late. For she said, I sought Him. I won't hurry along and I'll try to hush in a minute. It says, the watchman found me. They smote me. They wounded me. They took away my veil. Well, earlier the watchman kind of had been supporting what was going on, but, but, but you know what? He said now all of a sudden the, the, the backsliding had caused some problems. The eighth verse says, I charge you, O daughters of Jerusalem, if you find my beloved, that ye tell him that I am sick of love. If you see the one that I love, tell him that I'm lovesick because he's not with me I want to tell you all something today, and I hope you all can say this. I'm not lovesick this morning. I'm not missing my Savior, for He is with me. And it goes back to a night many years ago, not just because some carnal decision that I just decided, but there was a longing in me. He was there. I was drawn in my heart. I began to seek after Him and I began to open up. And you know what? Jesus passed by just like He did on the road to Emmaus. They said, why don't you... They, they, they says they constrained Him and they said, abide. They said, abide with us. You see today, I believe that that's what God wants us to do. If you remember, you don't have to turn over and read, but in the book of 2 Kings chapter 4, that's exactly what the wonder woman did with Elijah too. She said she, she constrained him. She kept begging him. He didn't want to pass by. A little different than what God is, but she kept begging him. She constrained. She wouldn't let go. Today, do you believe that God is knocking at your heart? Do you believe that God is calling and speaking to you? Are you going to listen? Are you going to make room for Him? 
I'm going to hush, but they constrained him saying, Abide with us, for it was toward evening and the day is far spent. I hope today that you're not in the evening of your life, but you may be. Do you know what? There are some people today, obviously by time and our age, we're probably in the evening of our life. Some of us are rapidly approaching that. But you know what? Even as we found out that sometimes we're upon the evening of our life and don't even know it. Today, there's no person that you need more in the evening of your life than Christ. Aren't you glad today to know that when evening comes, that they wanted that? But listen to the end of that verse, Luke 24 and 29. And he went in to tarry with them. March the 18th. 1995, a little after nine o'clock. I said, God, I want you. And I wanted him more than anything else. And you know what? When I let him in, I didn't run from him anymore. And I surrendered. He come in and he tarried, which just simply means he remained and he abide. He didn't just come and go and in and out. He moved in. He abided and we become one with another. And you know what? Today he reigns and rules in this relationship and I must follow after him. God bless you this morning is my prayer. Do you feel like God is reigning in your life? Do you feel like you want him to tarry with you? I want to get a song this morning if we could.